0: Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. We are nearly at the end of January, and there are new trends already established for 2024. It's also a very busy week ahead with 40% of the S&P 500 market cap reporting. This includes five of the magnificent seven, the Fed meeting culminating on Wednesday, and important economic data on the labor market released by the end of this week. So joining us for the CIO strategy snapshot to cover this all, glad to welcome back Jason Trejo. Head of Asset Allocation for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Jason, as always, thank you for dropping by top of the morning and looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Good morning, Dan. It's uh, good to be here on this busy week. So where to begin? Perhaps we can do so by discussing the Fed's FOMC meeting. That will be the single biggest event of this week. So what are you expecting to come out of this meeting, Jason?
1: Well, in some ways it could be sort of uneventful because the – You know, the Fed is not going to either cut or hike rates. That would be absolutely shocking. Uh, So really the the focus, and there's no changes to their dot plot or their economic projections. So really the focus is entirely on any tweaks to the statement of their intentions. And then also during the press conference, Chair Powell can allude to, and will be asked certainly, when might they start cutting? When will they adjust quantitative tightening? Uh, So that's the opportunity to kind of give some kind of guidance there. Now, in December, at the last OFMC meeting, there was still a statement in the, uh, well, there's a limited sentence in the statement that alluded to that they may have to continue to tighten in order to bring down inflation. So the statement will probably change, so that is removed, that the, uh, that they almost have more of a balanced view, that their, you know, policy is at a level that it should be consistent with bringing inflation down at this point in time, uh, and therefore it is, kind of set them up to if potentially they want to do something in March, i.e. cut, then the statement is at least increments, you kind of moving in that direction. Overall, I think the key thing that the Fed would want to focus on is to keep kind of all options open for when it starts cutting rates, um, not to tip their hand one way or another what they want to cut in March. And I think they right now they, they have a lot of data to get both for January and February before they actually have the meeting on March 20th. So they get two more months of uh, labor market data, inflation data, to inform that decision market pricing right now is roughly 50 50 in terms of a hike in march so it's really a coin toss i think the fed would be happy to come out of the meeting this week with the markets that are still around there basically saying we're not sure you know we need to see the more data uh we think we're on track but it's more about the you know a measured pace and when do they start they may not want to start until again may the day they may not have enough conviction for march but if the inflation data comes in quite low or the signs of Slowing down in the labor market, they may choose to kind of pull that forward. Uh, people will look for any hints in Powell's comments in the questions or his prepared comments regarding whether, like, say, insurance cuts are necessary uh, in order to ensure that the soft landing occurs. Is policy too restrictive? You know, is inflation progress kind of meeting their goals that the market might interpret as the Fed is ready to cut? This is subjective, but I would sense the market's going to look more for signs that the Powell would be indicative of supporting a, a March hack as opposed to any comments he would make saying you know, we're not going to do anything just yet. The markets could say, well, that's just a repeating of the, of the same message. I think that the bias is towards trying to interpret his comments as, as dovish rather than interpret them as, as hawkish. All of what the Fed says certainly could be upended by the data uh, that we get in the next couple of months. Uh, if it's interpreted the wrong way, you know, Fed officials over the next few weeks, next month could try and walk that back. So I think out of all of this is to say, I think that what will come out of it is probably where we are going into it, which is a March hike is a possibility. It's very much data dependent. Our view, in CIO, is still that they start cutting in the beginning of May at the second FOM, uh, the third FOM, seeming in the year, and they will then cut a total of 100 basis points.
0: Okay, so that covers the Fed, and we will see what Wednesday delivers. If we turn to earnings, it is a very busy week with reporting. Though, Jason, can you recap for us the Q4 results thus far and what this all says about the outlook for earnings in 2024?
1: Well, you mentioned at the outset that roughly 40% of the S&P 500 market cap reports this week. Thus far, we had a little bit under 40% report thus far. The overall message is that uh, it's mixed results, but still kind of good overall. Uh, nearly 80% of companies are beating the EPS estimates by around 4.5% in aggregate. Revenue news are coming in nearly 1% better than expected. Uh, a key thing is that the guidance for Q1, but also for 2024, is holding up quite well. But the companies that have reported the median Q1 estimate for earnings uh, is less than 1% lower historically earnings are getting revised you know, from an elevated level. Uh, and the path you typically see, which they get revised down about 3% during the course of the earnings season. We're on track given how far we are earnings season this time for kind of a, a bit of a downward revision. Uh, but the full year, 2024 EPS guidance is unchanged. Uh, and that's what we expect. Uh, you know, earnings growth of about 8% this year for the year, the S and of hundred and about 6% for next year. Uh, uh, about 100 companies are going to report this week. Most notable are five of these seven magnificent seven stocks: Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Meta, and Microsoft. Uh, the, they've done well this year thus far. You know, the magnificent seven have kind of been sort of leaders, outperforming help, help the market overall, even with Tesla's kind of poor performance uh, year to date. If they have really strong numbers, that will kind of probably further fuel, you know, their relative performance. It kind of supports the you know, our call as a tech sector overweight with. Apple and Microsoft being big parts of that uh, and of course their scope that they could disappoint a lot of good news is already priced in so as you move later to the week on Wednesday and Thursday and Tuesday we will get all that, all that information so from micro perspective this is a big week in terms of those magnificent seven stocks what it means for the tech call what it means for equities overall and also implicitly what it means for kind of the views on AI.
0: Now, let's spend a few moments on the U.S. economy, first by reflecting on a big data point from last week, the Q4 GDP growth rate, which did come in at 3.3%. So, Jason, what does that data point, along with other recent data, say about the state of the economy today, and what are you watching out for later this week in the way of economic data releases?
1: Well, if we look at the data in aggregate, you know, the past few weeks, since the start of the year... What it basically says, and the picture paints, is one of a kind of a Goldilocks outcome. We are seeing the strong job or the strong economic growth that is backward looking at it for the fourth quarter, but the consensus was around 2.5% or less, and we got 3.3%. Some of the details weren't quite as strong, but overall, there was strong personal consumption. There was an expectation in the fourth quarter that growth would moderate from the 5% growth in the third quarter it did but the thought was there'd be almost like a bit of a pothole for growth and it's hard to call 3.3 percent growth a, a, a real pothole in that situation if we couple that with other data we've seen recently on retail sales some green shoots in the housing market the labor market that remains strong with layoffs being barely quite you know low and then on the inflation side what you saw last week is the pce data came in line with expectations but the key part is the core pc data uh, continues to trend lower on a year-over-year basis. It's a little bit below three percent, but if you look at a six-month annualized core PCE, it has been around 1.8, 1.9 percent for the last two months, below the two percent Fed target. It's sort of at a level that, if this were to persist, the Fed should be cutting you know rates and, and they should start cutting relatively soon. So we have this good combination of growth holding up, moderating, but still at an at above-trend level, while inflation continues to go lower. That's kind of the ideal outcome. So that's where we've been going forward the question is whether this data will continue to maintain this you know, ideal combination that'll be evident with most probably with the payroll report that we get for january that comes out on friday february 2nd uh consensus is around 175,000. so another solid payrolls report uh given all the data we've seen thus far for you know, january labor data initial jobless claims would suggest that's a reasonable expectation uh, so there might be continued moderation as has been ongoing in the labor market for the past year, but still very kind of gradual descent. Uh, the other key point is to look at wage growth. We'll get average hourly earnings as a part of the payroll report. But also later this week, we get the employment cost index, which is quarterly. And it's the broadest measure of all the employment costs. It's a more accurate measure of how you know the labor costs are rising versus the monthly average hourly earnings. If that were to kind of continue to take lower to annualize around 4%, that would be further affirmation for the Fed that the labor market is kind of cooling in a healthy way. Uh, and the final thing is just all that kind of the Goldilocks narrative, we will get Q4 productivity data. It has been taken up steadily by Q3 of last year. It was a little over 5%. Productivity is a notoriously difficult thing to measure. It can be choppy and volatile. But if it stays elevated, if it's above 2%, and so the kind of the average trend rate is you know, now kind of converging around 2%, this is a positive sign for what is the economy's kind of growth potential, what is trend growth It's higher than maybe 2%, maybe it's more like 2.5%, which means these numbers of 3.3% GDP growth, they're not so far in the line with, what's with the, what the economy is capable of doing, having good growth while inflation comes down. Uh, for those looking through kind of rose-colored glasses, this would sort of reaffirm that, there is something maybe structurally different about the economy. It sort of further reinforces kind of the Goldilocks outcome, but if you want to start to believe in a Kerori twenty scenario, you know, to me that's one of the key data points is to see that productivity trend moving in the right direction.
0: Okay, so some key data to be mindful of in the days ahead. I do want to pivot to the markets because the S&P 500 did have a five-day streak of setting all-time highs, all-time new highs, until that had ended on Friday's session. Now, given this performance and what Jason you covered about Fed policy, earnings, as well as the economy, what are your thoughts on the market outlook from here? Further, what should investors be doing at the moment?
1: Well, in terms of the market outlook, it does feel like the path of least resistance for is for the markets just to kind of keep grinding higher. Uh, the economic fundamentals look like they're going to be solid. There's always a chance that we could get something where inflation stays elevated, the labor market is cooling, expectations for the Fed have to get kind of pushed out. But the data right now is sort of less surprising and less volatile than it was a year ago, two years ago, when we had the extreme dislocations for the pandemic. Certainly data could be surprising in a negative way, but I think you know, big shocks would be, you know, truly cannot of you know, surprising versus a couple years ago. But that could disrupt it. Um, the earnings story for these five of the magnificent seven, they could disappoint. Uh, and given, again, given the good news price, that could be, you know, a, a bit of a drag on the markets. And there's always geopolitical and political, you know, issues that could surprise the price of markets. And we see the situation in the Middle East. It seems like it's continually ramping up very, very slightly every, you know, every day, every week. You know, with news over the weekend in terms of the drone attack on U.S. soldiers, could that further escalate things there? That That's certainly a potential for some disruption. But barring that, you know, I think the the, the direction travels for markets to go higher. It may mean they overshoot relative to what we think is kind of a reasonable, uh, you know, level for equity at this point in time. But if the environment is kind of consistent more with a Goldilocks outcome versus our base case, which is just, you know, soft landing, there is certainly more upside for the S&P in that case, you know, closer to almost 10% between now and, and year end. Uh, as far as rates go, you know, the ten year around you know four point one percent, we think it's kinda of range bound between four, four and a quarter. Once the Fed cuts, historically rates do decline. So I think it's likely to kind of drift a little bit lower. Again, that's conditional, and also the economy and the economic data kind of moderate a little bit. If we add it all up in terms of kind of the recommended guidance, be fully invested. Yes, markets are at an all time high, and they've, you know, as you mentioned, five days in a row at an all time new high. But historically, that tells you nothing about the returns of the next one, two or three years uh, now that you're starting valuations. Other factors such as policy changes, changes in the macro environment in an unexpected way, they matter more. And right now, the conditions still look all kind of relatively supportive. So be fully invested, uh, lean a little more toward kind of quality assets, fixed income, quality bonds, whether it's your know, treasuries, you know, high-quality munis, investment-grade corporate bonds. Securitized credit like agency mortgage-backed securities in high-quality high CMBS, um, you know, you can get good spread and yield out taking a lot of risk right now Inequities quality equities that includes tech and that's one of the sectors we like um, So given if there was any sort of disappointing news, you know, they should continue to perform well But your know, last month in our house update we introduced a new message in focus, which was you know, anticipate a Goldilocks scenario Small caps in particular could do you know, very well in that environment, even in the base case, they should be fine, but if that plays out, we think there's a lot of catch up for small caps. So another thing that we continue to like, and then something that we've also liked for a while was emerging markets, certainly uh, you know, versus developed markets, ex-US. There is some signs of life on the policy front in China. We saw both China and EM pop a little bit last week. Uh, you know, that could be a sign of further some momentum of Chinese equities, getting some policy support they're relatively cheap and on their own, so at least as a tactical move, we think there's a scope percent for them bouncing back, and they are close to a third of the EM index. So, you well, know, that's something we like. This is an opportunity for them to kind of catch up, you know, sort of, you know short term, and with further benefits, certainly from a Goldilocks environment globally. Uh, Where the Fed is able to cut ratio growth is holding up quite well.
0: Well, Jason, as always, thank you for the guidance on positioning. Just reflecting back on what you covered for us today, there's a lot here that we can follow up on, reflect on during our conversation next week. Though, thank you, Jason, for joining us on this Monday morning to preview what will be a very busy week ahead for the markets, investors, and I do wish you a great week. You're welcome. Have a great week.